Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And uh, very happy to invite Abby Thomas on the show today. Hi, Abby. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Good. Uh, Abby and I actually recorded a show the other day, or didn't record a show. We did a show, and uh, the recording got lost. So I'm not going to say anything more about that. But uh, she has been gracious. <laughs> she has been gracious enough to come back on the show, and uh, I'm really happy to have her here. And uh, we had such a good time the first time. I think uh, I'm hoping that uh, we'll have just as good a time this time. Yeah, uh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Kara's and Cottages with a K. And uh, to start us off, I'm going to play one of Abby's songs from her who Am I album, a 2021 album that she came out with, and this is called Fireflies.
And that's Abby Thomas with Fireflies from her 2021 album, uh, Who Am I? And we have Abby Thomas uh, with us here today. How you doing, Abby? So good to have good. you on the show again. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, Fireflies is uh, from the 2021 album, Who Am I? Was Who Am I the first album that you put out? It was, yeah. It was self-funded and um, kind of the, the jumping off point for um, becoming a, a full-time musician as opposed to part-time. And Fireflies, was that a song that you had in your head for a long time? When did that come into fruition? Oh, I think I wrote that song in probably 2015 or so. So I had, um, I didn't even play in public, even at an open mic until the end of 2018, but I had been writing songs just for myself for many years before that. Um, And when it came time to, you know, record songs for an album, I had probably 50 that I had narrowed down to. And then I I had some co-producers that we just, I played through all of them and, Fireflies was the first one that, you know, like that, that one's definitely on it. Like, don't, you know, mark that one off the list. That one's <laughs> and, and then they, you know, kept going through other songs. But I think that one has been a standout and people tend to gravitate towards that one the most from that album. Uh, and so uh, you're a piano player, a keyboard player, and uh, you write all your songs and all the, all the lyrics, all the melodies. Um, when did yeah. you first start writing songs? Oh, I started, I would say I started messing around writing my own little things on the piano when I was a really little kid, you know, like seven or eight years old, but I didn't start writing lyrics until I was in high school. Um, how did you, uh, how did you get good, but <laughs> how did you, uh, get, um, started on the piano? You know, how old were you? How did that all come about? Um, I was probably four or five years old and my sister, who's a lot older than, than me, um, she took piano lessons. A lot of my family members were musical in one way or another, whether they sang or played an instrument. Um, but I used to sit in the corner of, of our living room and my sister had piano lessons and just watch and listen. And um, I remember I have a very vivid memory of my dad walking into the living room to tell my sister that it was time for dinner, except I was the one playing, uh, Canon and D, um, so trying to play it at least enough that as a little kid. Yeah. So he uh, heard the song from the other room and thought it was your, and you were just playing by ear at that point. Yeah. Yeah. The the simplified version, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Not the left hand maybe, but, um, (laughs) cause that was always the thing. I mean, I took piano lessons when I was a little kid and, uh, you know, it's like you get started with your right hand and, and then you, you know, try to be able to do it with your left hand too. And, um, but obviously, you know, w- when you first got started, were you like, you know, hunting and pecking with your, with one finger or did you feel comfortable enough to be able to just, you know, move your fingers all around and, and just reach that note just, uh, you know, based on what you were hearing? I think it's hard to remember, honestly. I do remember by the time I was seven or eight, I was using both hands and, and not, I, I don't remember how good it was, but my parents never told me to stop, which I'm very thankful for. <laughs> no and one they, ever threw any tomatoes at me. So, <laughs> And they got you piano lessons and stuff like that. So they obviously were encouraging in that respect. Yeah. Um, my first piano teacher, uh, I say, uh, politely resigned. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> cause I, I wish I would have put more effort into actually learning how to play music, but I think I started lessons probably too early. Um, I just listened to what my piano teacher would play, and then I would play it back, and I wasn't making the connection between you know what I saw on a page and my fingers. I'm just doing it by ear. So and you weren't actually thought, reading yeah, the notes to play it. You yeah. were just uh, hearing what it was and just going with it. Did, yeah, did you have to pretend that? You, yeah, did you have to pretend that you were reading it and then just do it? I did, I did for a while, and I actually took a piano class in college just for a junk credit, uh, and did the same thing and just pretended that oh I didn't God. know, you know, that I was trying to learn to read music and I was just listening. And and I wonder if I'll take my credit back now. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, but you've been, I mean, your voice, your singing voice is just beautiful. Um, so you must, did you take singing lessons or how, what was your background with the singing? 
Um, well, my mom was a singer, um, so she and she was a practicer, so she was always rehearsing. She um, in the kitchen while doing dishes and while cooking dinner. She always had her tapes playing, and she would um, just rehearse that way. Um, and she was in a trio with my aunt and Crystal Gale. When wow. They were younger. Yeah. Oh, man. So, and my mom, I've been told that I have a very similar tone to my mom. And, and I, I hear it too, especially the older I get and I, I'm listening more for stuff like that. Um, but we just sang in church and she would take me to church and, and have me join her in worship team every once in a while. And the older I got, then I joined worship team. And then I was in the high school choir and I played in uh, played trumpet in the band for a while. But again, I couldn't read music and I just was winging it. Um, <laughs> With a trumpet too. A, yeah, and wow. I'm an adult now and I wish so badly that I would have put the effort in because it would have been so helpful now that this is my job. Um, but I, I never really took vocal lessons or anything like that. I did take um, a few in 2019 just to learn like proper vocal warm-ups and just so that I could make sure that I stayed healthy because that was when I was starting to think like I'm going to go into music full time and I want to make sure that I take care of my voice. And, and I even do those same five vocal warmups every day. Um, and I, and I have a very strict diet during my busy season and just to take care of my vocal cords. So there's particular food that you'd want to eat to um, maintain your vocal cords and your health. Um, it's saying? more of like things to avoid. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I know that, I think for most people, I think like milk and dairy has a, a bad effect on your vocal cords, oh. but I have some, some food allergies, like I'm allergic to wheat, um, that makes it even worse. Oh, so yeah. I stay away from, at, at least on a show day, um, I'll stay away from milk and ice cream and pasta and bread and stuff like that. But it honestly, like eating that stuff makes me feel terrible anyways. So I think it's... <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, it helps all around. I, yeah, I like at, at holidays and stuff, I'm like, I can't sing if I'm going to eat those mashed potatoes and the, and the noodles. But um, yeah, Help, I'm, I'm. Yeah, helps to keep think track of things. Crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty crazy about taking care of my vocal cords, but you know, uh, you I know have big, big dreams. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, you you mentioned that uh, it, it's your job and. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they work and then they try to fit in, you know, music on the side or, or at night or things like that. And there's always that, you know, that trouble of, of scheduling things and around people's work schedules. So you don't have that problem anymore. How, how did that come about? Yeah. So I, I was one of those people that was trying to have a day job and play music, uh, on the weekends. And, um, I lost my, full-time job during COVID shutdowns in 2020 Hmm. and I was also seven months pregnant at the time and so I lost my maternity leave and and I sold my home and just downsized real quick and then um just when my daughter was born I decided I'm going full-time like that's what I've always wanted to do if I'm gonna do it now's my chance it was like a forced change (laughs) that was really scary and difficult at the time, but now I'm very thankful for that forced change. So Um, it sounds like you, you know, when you were in growing up and when you were in high school, you had, you know, a bunch of opportunities to develop your piano playing and your singing, you know, through church and stuff. Uh, Were you um, in bands at that stage of your life? Um, You know, what kind of outlet did you have for playing your music? Um, I never played like anything that I had written for anyone until, uh, many, many years after college. Uh Um, so I was just doing like high school choir and the occasional worship team thing. So I was never in like a band or, uh, anything like that. And I did play, um, (laughs) this is going to sound really strange, but I think I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. I recruited our jan- our high school janitor to play guitar. Really? <laughs> for a talent show and I played piano and I sang a song that I wrote and we don't have it on video or anything but that's the only time I had ever played one of my songs in front of people and I about threw up on that, stage. <laughs> that was like the first time you played one of your songs? Yeah. Yeah, and I wish I had a recording of it cuz I don't have that song written down anywhere but I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And then American Idol became a big thing. 
And uh, I begged and begged my mom to let me try out for it, but she didn't want that that musician that musician lifestyle for me. Oh yeah, so, so I ended up chasing basketball and played basketball in college instead of music. Well, not a bad alternative for sure, but uh, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> yeah, and it got you through school and all that. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, perform any music when you were in school? No. Um, I Did you win any to... national titles when you were <laughs> playing basketball? No, I, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing to show for it other than I got some free school, which is great. <laughs> made some baskets probably too. Yeah, I did. I made a few. <laughs> um, I majored in photography, and so I got my photography degree. And I do remember, though, because um, I went to the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and I remember when on the most stressful days – I had found a grand piano on campus. It was in um, like a secret um, like student center that nobody ever went to. And I would go <laughs> and just play. And that's how I got, that's how I handled like the stress of being like a student athlete because it was really difficult. And it was hard on your body. And so like oh, sure. I would find that piano and just go play for hours. And then my teammates would be calling me like, where are you? I was like, don't <laughs> worry about it. Just leave me alone. I want to play the piano. <laughs> Some people go um, jogging to relieve stress, and and you found an outlet through playing music. And when yeah. you went, when you'd sit down like that, would you be playing covers? Would you play your own music at that point? I think it was a mix of. I didn't really play any covers. It was either stuff I was just making up um, on a whim, or um, a little bit of classical. Um, just from I, I loved movie soundtracks. Oh. Um, so music from like Mr. Holland's Opus or oh, yeah. um, I'm a big Rachel Portman um, fan. She wrote um, the soundtrack for Cider House Rules. That's one of my favorite soundtracks. Oh, okay. So I would sit and just listen to those songs and then figure out how to play them. And that helped my stress levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, were people yeah. listening to you when you were playing off in this corner of the student, um, Sometimes, student building? Sometimes, but... But every, and every once in a while, someone would come up and say hi and be like, oh, that sounds great. And be like, thank you. But most of the time, no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> they were just happy to have some background music probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, um, uh, you know, play out at all when you were in college? No, I kept it pretty quiet. Um, I had, looking back, I had a, a really big stage fright issue and a self-confidence issue when it came to music. And I think that's why I kept it to myself for so long. I just, I didn't think, I think it was partly because I didn't have, I didn't have my mom saying like, yeah, that's something you should do. And so when you don't have that, that family push, um, like you question whether or not you're actually any good at it, mm, if that yeah. makes any sense. Sure. And, but now that I'm doing it, my family's all about it and they're so excited. Um, she was probably, probably trying to protect you back at that point yeah, in your life too. I think she was. Yeah. And and my family is pretty conservative and they you know they don't drink alcohol and and so my mom I don't even she has Alzheimer's disease right now. So I don't think she 100% realizes that I'm playing at bars and um that's where I hang out, you know, three uh -huh. to five nights a week. Yeah. <laughs> which is probably a good thing. <laughs> she doesn't completely understand, but um I mean for me it just it took me a long time um, to kind of figure out who I was as a person and what I really loved. And I had, I had one friend that I met, um, at a, oddly enough, at a photography conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I had had a glass of wine and someone handed me a guitar and I played an Amos Lee song and then, um, my friend Brent recorded it and it turned out his brother was a booking agent <laughs> Huh. And then for about five years, they bothered me to go to an open mic. And it took it took that long for me to get the guts to go. You're kidding. Five years. Yeah. But once <laughs> but once I went, luckily, the, the right people were in the room that have become um, my cheerleaders and, and friends. And, and they were like, you need to keep doing this. Keep going. Keep writing. Keep coming to this thing and, and playing your songs. And so I did. And I've just, I think it took about a year and a half, two years after that first open mic that it turned into my job, which is fast, I think. Yeah, very fast. So, but, yeah. but in that period of time, uh, before, you know, when they first heard you play and were encouraging you for that five year period to, to go to an open mic, mm -hmm. were you doing any playing Were you just, you know, you'd go home and just play to relax by yourself? Yeah, just that, just yeah. go home. 
for my job. Um, that was how I would unwind. And I was always writing, though, always constantly writing. And I have notebooks upon notebooks um, of lyrics. And um, How did you write down the melodies uh, without being able to write music? Or how to I keep track of the melodies? I yeah, I hadn't quite got into that thing with your cell phone using... Um, whatever that app is, like the voice memo thing. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I do that. I use that now. But back then, I was just, um, I had, you know, handwritten lyrics, and I would write, um, I had taken courting lessons in high school, so someone had taught me, like reverse engineered what I was playing and taught me what I was doing, so I could uh-huh. at least work in the worship team. Uh-huh. So I have I have notebooks with lyrics with letters for, for notes above words, and melodies are the thing that really stick in my head. Most of them, I can remember the melody, but I can't remember the lyrics. Right. Um, and I still have a, like, for me to play a song in front of people, I've already played it a thousand times at home. So I can remember <laughs> the lyrics. But the melodies stick me, with me really quick. So thank goodness when it came time to record that first album, they were just, they were stuck in my head. Right. Thank goodness. Otherwise, I probably would have lost them all. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine it would be hard to keep track of all those various melodies and to, mm-hmm. uh, in, just, you know, the way that they would come to you and then, and then having to remember, you know, specifically the entire song, it just seems like it would be, uh, be very difficult to do. It would certainly be yeah. hard for me to do. But uh, so that's, there are a couple songs I still have that I wrote a long time ago, like like seven years ago. That I'm like, I remember part of it, but I don't remember all of it. But I'm going to figure them out someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a, whether I write a new part or figure out the old, I'll I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> so, what were some of your influences um, musically growing up that um, you, you know you you find in your music today? What would you say? Um, I would say. Uh, I originally grew up on like the Beatles and the Carpenters. Um, my dad was a big Beatles fan and my mom loved the Carpenters. And honestly, my mom's voice reminds me of Karen Carpenter. Oh yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I started. And then the older I got, I fell in love with, um, like Lauren Hill from the movies. Oh, right. And then uh-huh. found her music with the Fugees and, uh, and then continued down that path of like soul and R and B. Um, but I also loved like John Mayer and like a current favorite, um, is Dermot Kennedy from Ireland who it's like a hmm. mix of singer songwriter and hip hop, but I also love movie soundtracks. So I'm all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. Influences. Um, but I really feel like when it comes down to arrangements, when it's time to nail down an arrangement for a song and what instruments go into a song, there's always a little bit of soul. Um, there's always a good pop melody, and I love strings. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the you have violin uh, on a, well, at least on that Firefly song, there was a violin, and yeah. uh, I know that there's. When I saw you at um, the Acorn uh, a couple weeks ago doing the. Um, uh, well, you were there for the singer-songwriter competition. You were in the I finals was. of the singer-songwriter yeah. competition over in July. In June, June or July. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and you had a, a this um, a p- uh, violin player at the time. And is this someone that you've been playing with for a long time? Yeah. So Caitlin Faust is the violin player. Um, she plays in my full band, but sometimes we'll just play the two of us um, or as a trio as well. And I met her in an open mic in Warsaw, Indiana in 2019, like very, very early on in my, I would say right at the beginning of my career. Um, and she saw me play and sent me a Facebook message and said, Hey, you should try out for the acorn singer songwriter contest. She's the one who, uh, exposed you to the singer songwriter competition. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She doesn't even remember that she did that, but I can <laughs> find the message. Here. <laughs> you have proof. Um, yeah. And, and so I made it into that competition, and then she also ended up um, playing the violin on Fireflies on the actual track. Right, okay. The album. Yeah, the one so, that we, we just played that at the beginning yeah, of the that show. Was, that was her. Yeah. And um, But we've become really good friends, and she's a huge cheerleader of mine, and um, and she's in the band, too. So that that's a another testament to how cool open mics yeah. are, honestly. 
because that's yeah. how I got to start. That's where I met one of my band members. Yeah. And you're oh, hosting the open mic at the Acorn Theater on December 15th, in just two weeks from now. Yes. Okay. Yes. Caitlin's and, coming too. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm talking uh, for anyone just tuning in now. I'm talking to Abby Thomas, a keyboard player, and um, she's uh, going to be doing the open mic at uh, the Acorn Theater on December 15th. Um, she's got an album out from 2021 called "Who Am I," and and you have other singles out, right? And are you working on a new album as well? Um, I just put out an EP this past May called Dirty Little Things, and um, that I'm really, really proud of that project. It's the first thing that I have um, produced myself, and I did have a, a co-producer. I'd say he's more of like a, a coach because I was learning how to record um, parts myself from home, mm-hmm. um, and, he, and his name's Nate Butler. He has a studio here in Goshen, Indiana, where I live. And uh, Nate also played some of the drums uh, on that project as well. Um, so I put that out earlier this year, and that was such a fun, it's stressful, but it was a fun um, learning process on how to write parts for other musicians. And now that I've done it, I'm addicted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was so fun. And like Caitlin and I, I, I put blankets all over a wall in, in an unfinished half bath in my basement. And <laughs> I sat on the floor with my laptop and headphones and had a microphone for Caitlin's violin. And, and we crowded together and, and wrote some parts for her. And, um, but that was just a fun, fun project and a growing experience for me. And then um, I also just released uh, a cover of White Christmas. And uh, let's listen to that um, later in the show that I heard that the other day. And it was, just gorgeous. I mean, it's really so well done. And uh, you, I, I remember from last time we talked, you uh, got to play this very um, exquisite piano, uh, uh, thanks yeah. to a friend of yours. So, exquisite w- is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the story with that? That uh, how how was it that you got to play this really beautiful, uh, unbelievable piano? Yeah. So, um, I had. Uh, but I thought I had saved up my, all of my adult life to buy a grand piano. And so I, I found a Pramberger. Um, it's the tiniest grand that you can find. And I needed a company to move it into my house. And so I found Chep's Piano Services. Um, and they're currently out of New Paris, Indiana. So I had originally hired them to just come move my piano into my home and then they were going to maintain it as far as like keeping it tuned. Uh And um, I went by their showroom one day to pay my bill and got invited into their showroom. And the bulk of their business is they restore uh, vintage Steinway pianos. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they have a gorgeous showroom. There's probably 20 to 30 uh, rebuilt pianos in that room and the room is built in a way where the acoustics are perfect it's it's a nice. prob- that's what i call heaven when i go yeah. in there i'm <laughs> in heaven and and i'm not even a concert pianist you know and and i know that there are, they have a lot of clientele that are concert pianists that come to their showroom to shop for a piano for their home or for a tour and but i got to go into their showroom and they they asked me to play them a song and they instantly became fans, and then uh, we became quick, just family friends. And um, the owner's son and I are close in age, and we both have children that are close in age, and so we've just become really good friends. But they let me record the piano track for White Christmas on a, I believe it's a 1940s vintage Steinway. Wow. So what was, how did that work? How did you actually do the recording? Did you bring your own equipment there? or? Uh, I did. So I yeah. brought my laptop and um, just my laptop, my headphones, and my interface. And they actually had some microphones um, that were better than what I had that they let me use. And um, they taught me the, the right placement of the microphones because they, they record their pianos um, and put those recordings on their website and send them to potential clients because those clients need to have really good recordings of, of what those pianos sound like. Um, and so they taught me the right placement of microphones, and then I recorded um, that on my laptop uh, last November, so November of 2021. And then we finally got into the studio to record the vocal and the strings for the song this past summer. 
uh, the 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 microphones and the placement of the microphones is that something that is applicable to every piano, or was it just for that particular piano? Where to put the oh. microphones in that piano, or oh. in the piano? My gut says it depends on the piano. Oh, okay, maybe. all right. That's, I, I am not the right one to ask. <laughs> um, I I think at least for the Steinways, there was a there's a certain spot where um the natural reverb there's like a sweet spot because you want to get some of it because that's part of the character of the piano like you want to get you know the hammer hitting string and you want that character uh, and texture that that brings so i don't know if that changes between brands of pianos or not that's actually a really good question i'm gonna find out (laughs) (laughs) so when you play a real piano that has um, the hammers and the strings it it doesn't it, it sounds much different to a you know a practiced ear than oh, yeah. uh, just playing a piano uh, version on a on a keyboard where it's uh, syn- yeah. where it's synthetic. Um, yeah. What are the kind of things that you can hear with a real piano that you know don't quite come through with a uh, a keyboard? Or maybe mm, you can't describe like, it. Maybe it's hard yeah. to. Oh, there. One thing I did learn that. There are, because um, on my first album, we, I used a keyboard, and there are some programmed um, keyboard sounds that you can't actually hear a hammer hitting a string, uh-huh. and you don't oh. realize it's missing until you go play it on a real piano, and you're like, why does this sound so, why do they sound so different? Uh. But there are some programmed keyboard sounds now that they're starting to include those little intricacies, I guess oh, is the sure. right word, uh-huh. um, where, you, where you're getting some of that character back, which is good. I mean, it's cheaper. I mean, not everyone can have a right. time. <laughs> That's right. Or be able to transport it to every show that you go to also. Yeah, that, yeah. That's another thing. <laughs> right. Um, I, think, I think part of it is just when you're, when you're playing a keyboard as opposed to a piano, um, the feel is just so different because a, right. a real piano, the keys are heavier. And so you play it differently as opposed to a keyboard where, the, you know, there's not as much weight right. um, to the keys. And so it gets played differently. So sometimes I feel like when I play a keyboard, I lose some of the emotion or, uh-huh. or the, uh, some of the inflections and in the notes, like it, sometimes it's missing and you don't, and as opposed to when you use a real piano, yeah. I don't think White Christmas would have turned out the way it did had I played it on a keyboard. Oh, I, I can't wait to get to that. Uh, we want to. We're all looking forward to hearing Abby Thomas's version of White Christmas. It is. It's unbelievable. Uh, oh, thank you. So I wanted to back up, and um, uh, so you uh, played piano, played trum- trumpet. And uh, guitar, uh, trumpet, I understand you picked up in junior high or high school when you were in band. What about guitar? How did you uh, learn how to play the guitar? Um, From my dad. My dad was a guitar player. Oh, man. Wow, you do have a musical family. I do, yeah. It's it's mostly my dad's side of the family played instruments, and my mom's side of the family were singers. A perfect combination. Um, Perfect, (laughs) yeah. So, like, there's a lot of violin players on my dad's side of the family. Um, my uncle played electric guitar. He was a fill-in for Leonard Skinner. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Like they're from Oklahoma. So they're, that, that was a uh, hot spot for musicians. Um, lucky for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I grew up in the family I did. Um, but my dad was a guitar player and, and he was a huge Beatles fan. So he would teach me um, just the basic chords on a guitar and then I would learn a Beatles song. And it is not my main instrument. My hands are not huge. So most of the time when I play, I play uh, guitar better when I'm playing my own songs because I do a lot of finger picking and I feel like uh-huh. it's like a hack for me because I'm not great at like being a rhythm guitar player and singing at the same time. Like that's a skill. <laughs> I see other people do it and I'm so jealous. I can do it on a piano, but I cannot do it <laughs> on a guitar. So you find um, it easier to pick while you're playing while you're singing than than uh-huh. strumming while you're singing yeah oh. which i think it's backwards for most people. <laughs> yeah i would expect it to have been the other way around yeah yeah i think it has a little bit to do with my singing style though because i do have a little bit of that soul vibe so most of the time i'm not singing on a on a beat right 
that's something that I'm learning too. I'm like, why is this so hard for me? Why can't I just keep a constant strum, you know, keep beat? And I think that's why I think it's just the way that I sing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm okay with it now. I've come to terms <laughs> with it and I've moved on. Yeah. Well, you're also, you're able to do it while you play piano. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm be- definitely better at that instrument and doing what I, what I want to do. Yeah. Thank goodness. And and you made a reference at the beginning of the show that you, um, you know, gave up your day job essentially. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, tell us a little bit about that. So as I understand, you uh, had your own um, photography business and, and then yeah. uh, transitioned to a uh, different job. Uh, so tell us about that. Yeah. So I had um, my own photography studio for about 15 years and it was my sole income my entire adult life. I didn't know anything different. And, um, I hurt my back in 2017. Um, I was, I got to the point where I couldn't even lift up a camera anymore. And I was like, well, there's your sign. Um, just the, the carrying all the equipment around had really just worn my spine down and I had developed arthritis in all of my vertebrae and it was just recommended to just stop. (laughs) So, um, so I slowed down on my business and, you know, and got to the point where I could transition into a day job, like an, a regular nine to five and um, got really lucky and found a good marketing job for a manufacturer here in Goshen, Indiana. And I was their uh, creative director. So I, I still did some photography, but it, it was in a controlled environment where I wasn't carrying around right. really heavy gear all the time, which made, made the new job possible. So I did that for a couple of years and then COVID hit and it was just, it was bad timing. Yeah. <laughs> Financially, I, it was it was hard. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, yeah. COVID was, was really tough. And it, as I understand it, it was um, about a year and a half before that, that you even went to that first open mic that you were referring to before. Yeah. First time. Did you, um, uh, did you go to the open mic before you stepped up to do the open mic? Oh yeah. I okay. think, um, my now husband, uh, we went and watched for about six weeks cause it was a weekly open mic at a winery here in Goshen. And it took me that long to be like, okay, next time, next time <laughs> we go, I'm going to take a guitar. But what, what really prompted it was that they announced that the open mic was going to end at the end of the year. Oh wow! So here I was, I spent the time going <laughs> and watching and, and learning and even just watching someone, you know, plug a guitar and do a sound system and what, you know, make sure that, the, the, sounds, know, the sound the, guy gives me, like, I didn't know any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. so, um, and then they're like, okay, we're only going to have like two or three more open mics. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Here, I thought I had all this time to, you know, keep working up the nerve to do it. And so I just, I had to, it was like now or never. Um, and Some I things happen, like, happen because of deadlines. A lot of yes, things get done all, because of like deadlines. These, yeah. All of these things that have happened have been because I was forced to make a decision. Okay. And it's either now or never. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I think about it. Um, but I met, I had a great time and my knees shook the whole time and I felt like I was going to throw up because <laughs> just stage fright's a thing. And yeah. luckily now I've worked through it. Um, but there were some really kind, wonderful people at that open mic that are, are still really good friends of mine that were very encouraging and told me to come to the last open mic and, and so I did. Um, and then those same people were playing music part-time, um, you know, playing, you know, two or three hour gigs at restaurants uh-huh, and bars. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then they started inviting me to come play, you know, come play three songs on our break. And then, then they'd be like, oh, come play 20 minutes. Come play both breaks, you know, at this place and that place. And so I did. And so then those places started hiring me. So then I had to learn a lot of new music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Caught a lot of cover songs and things like that. Was that the kind of music people were looking to hear when they would go? Yeah. So when I, yeah, when I first started, I was mixing in a few of my own songs, but mostly covers. And now it's, it's, I read the room. If I can get away with my own music, I play my own, but (laughs) yeah. That's uh, so, and as I further understand the story, that led to you, um, uh, you going to and signing in, signing up for the uh, singer songwriter competition uh, about six months after that at uh, the Acorn. Yes, yeah. So in in 2019, yeah, Caitlin, the violin player, encouraged me to 
to um, submit for it and try to be a finalist. And Fireflies was one of the songs I had turned in. I had never recorded it before, and I, I made a video of it and um, got picked to be in the top six. And that was a, a crash course um, in, you know, playing at a theater. And right. An amazing, absolutely amazing experience. And, um, and through that, you, uh, one of the judges made a comment to you? Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't make it past the top six, but I got to play my one song. I got to play in a grand piano in a theater in front of four or 500 people, which is crazy. Um, and uh, one of the judges was Jim Peterick, who um, was the writer of Eye of the Tiger and won a Grammy for it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he pulled me aside after the show and he said just the nicest things. He's like, I fought for you. I wanted you to be in the top three. I thought you should have won the whole thing. Like, and he just kept saying these nice things. He's like, I understand you. I, I get where you're going with your music. Please don't stop. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, wow. And, and we're, we still stay in touch now, which is absolutely blows my mind. Yeah. Every, every time I release something, he wants me to send it to him so he can hear it. Oh, that's great. Is yeah. he, does he produce songs still? What, what kind of things are he... Um, you know, I think he's still writing. I uh-huh. don't know if he produces, but he's still writing for himself. Yeah. I think he just played at the Grand Old Opry even. Oh, really? Ryman Auditorium yeah. in Nashville? Yeah. Great. I think so. Yeah. He's still doing some cool stuff. That sounds, yeah, that's really, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, and, and then that was within this period where you were, you know, playing out and uh, getting invited to play at venues and stuff uh, in northern Indiana. Uh, yeah. What were some of the places that used to play in Northern Indiana or st- even Ooh. maybe still do? Yeah. Some of them I still do. Um, the original winery that I played at the open mic, um, they've moved to Elkhart, Indiana. And so now I play there probably three or four times a year. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Um, uh, one of the other places I got invited to play during um, the breaks, um, the Justin Stablin band, is a cool trio cover band out of South Bend. They play at LaSalle Kitchen. Oh, sure. Uh, I've heard of that place. Yeah. yeah. And so I played a break there, and then they instantly hired me. Oh, I was like, nice. oh, my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and Caitlin's in that band, too. So honestly, anywhere oh. that we don't necessarily play for the same clientele or because they're a cover band and I'm a, a, um, a singer-songwriter. Yeah there's only certain venues that we could double up and both like both bands play. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Basically any venue they played, um, where they thought I would also be a good fit. They're like, Hey, come play our breaks here. So like there's a, um, uh, a bar and girl down in Argus, Indiana called the break room. That was another one. They took me to played three or four songs and they're like, Hey, you want to be on our roster for next year? Sure. You know, <laughs> um, so that's and then this past summer I got really lucky and um, Round Barn Winery. Oh up yeah, uh-huh. it's up in your neck of the woods. It sure yeah. is. Yeah, it's right. They right have a the bunch of subs- yeah, they have a bunch of subsidiaries too. So there's four or five venues that they have wine or live music for, and so they picked me up as a for a residency. Oh wow! So I got I got thirty dates just between all of their. Uh, oh, you're kidding! This past that, that's great. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that really helped with you know building a following because I'd play one place and then people would ask, "Oh, you know, are you playing here again?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, here's my dates," and they would come back and that, that was wonderful. That's so nice. Yeah. And then um, you know, from this point of uh, the open mic to uh, you're getting you know laid off at COVID and having your baby. Um, mm-hmm. how did, how did you, you know, what was the process of you deciding to go full time for, uh, and be professional, uh, musician? Oh, it was something I thought, I was like, I wonder if that's even possible while I was still working full time. And when I lost my job, um, right, I think my little girl was born about two months, two to two, three months later. And I just remember she was born and I had been sick the whole pregnancy and, you know, we were all locked in our houses and it was just, it was not in a good place mentally. Yeah. It was <laughs> um, a very I, tough time for sure. Yeah. And you're supposed to gain a bunch of weight when you're pregnant and I had lost weight. I wasn't healthy and Ooh. I was just hoping that 
that our little our little baby was going to come out healthy and if that happened it was a win like i was that's that was my mentality that was my hmm. job give birth to this baby and i hope that she has all of her fingers in her toes <laughs> and <laughs> and she was born and about 8 hours after she was born we have a video of it she was um really fussy and the only thing that would calm her down is if i sang to her Oh my God, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I'm tearing up even telling them I haven't told this story in a long time. Um, and I sang Dream a Little Dream of Me by Ella Fitzgerald to her, and she would fall asleep instantly. And the first time I did it, I just started crying, and in my head I'm like, okay, I, I, this is what I have to do. Like, music is therapy. Music brings people joy. Music calms, mom, music calms me down when I'm having a hard day. It's like, I just, I want this little girl growing up watching her mom do what she loves and bringing other people joy and happiness. I don't want her growing up watching her mom work 80 hours a week, coming home upset and being stressed out all the time. Like I want her to know that if she loves something um, as a profession that she can do it. Like I just, I decided I needed to be a good example. And if you love what you do, it's not work. You know, yeah. it's, uh, isn't there a saying like that? Maybe I, yeah. <laughs> I butchered it a yeah. little bit, but something along that, like that. Yeah, and it's like there's there's good stress in your life and there's bad stress. And honestly, if you love your job, yes, it it can be stressful, but it's not bad stress. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And yeah. I have different stresses now, but I I wake up every day happy. And I wasn't happy when I was working that job. Oh, I'll bet. And, and excited to um, to be able to play and, and uh, you know, see what, what what's coming up ahead and things like that, yeah. I'll bet. Yeah. And it's been really uh, encouraging because I was afraid that no one would care about the music that I was writing and that people would just want to hear covers. Because, you know, playing bars and restaurants and wineries and, like, the majority of the time I am playing covers, um, but I am getting those opportunities where someone wants to hear original music. People ask me to play my songs. They now do. Oh, oh yeah. wow, that's great. And it's so encouraging because some of the songs I, I write are, they come from a painful place and like fireflies is one of those. Um, but I also have a song um, that I wrote about my mom who has Alzheimer's disease. And so when I get in a room that, turns into a listening room environment you know you think you're going to yep. go be background music and then people want to hear like my music and so I've, i'll play them that song and then there's always someone in the room that you know they have a family member who also has alzheimer's disease and then we have a conversation after the show and it's it's always nice to connect with people and and realize none of us are alone in our experiences we all go through similar things in one way or another. Yeah. And it, yeah. It is so it's also therapeutic knowing that you're not alone in your feelings. Right. Which is, that's been a really great experience. Something unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's been uh, a big surprise. W- that's a, uh, you know, such a big part of music and not something that happens uh, necessarily on a bigger level, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the bigger musicians, they're inundated with people wanting to get it in, you know, be in contact with them and talk to them and things like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, at, um, you know, at an early level in a career, it does, you know, there is that, that ability to really interact with your crowd. And that sounds like, you know, the kind of opportunities that you have now you're getting to really interact with your crowd and, and, uh, has that inspired any, any, you know, new songs in and of itself? And what is your writings, you know, what is your, um, you know, writing style, I guess I should say. Yeah. How do you uh, Um, go about writing stuff? That process has has changed over the last few years. Um, So I used to have all sorts of time, you know. I used (laughs) to be self-employed. You know, when I had my photography studio, I'd get home from work and I would have um, uninterrupted time with my instruments and my notepads. And um, at that time, I was writing about really personal things and you know, that's how I made sense of whatever situation I was in. I'd write a song about it. Well, you also weren't um, anticipating singing in front of anybody. Yeah. Those early songs are brutally honest and things I never thought I would share, but I would, um, most of the time I'd write at the piano or every once in a while would be the guitar and I would 
find chords that kind of matched how I was feeling at the time. And I would write lyrics at the same time that I was writing chord progressions. Um, so most of the time, if a song was going to get finished, I did it all in one sitting. Um, and that does not happen anymore. It makes me sad sometimes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, just since, since I've had a, a baby, like that's changed. Um, sure. You know, she's old enough that when I play the piano, she wants to play the piano, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, that's, um, that's the cutest thing ever that your yeah, two year old daughter fun, wants to play the piano too. Unless you're, unless you're trying to get ready for a show. Or <laughs> but fun now mom. I find, yeah, now I find my quiet time is in a car. Um, you know, on the way to a show or on my way home. Um, a little harder to I, take down notes, though, at that yeah, point. Yeah, but I'll I'll come up with, like, little melodies in my head, so I'll sing them in my, pho- in my phone and my voice recorder. Oh, but yeah. I've been finding in the last year or so, I'm writing full-on, like, full-song lyrics as I'm driving. Don't tell my husband who's a police officer. <laughs> 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 he gives me grief. He's like, get off your phone while you're driving. Um but I have to get, like, sometimes I'll pull over. I'm like, okay, I have a song idea. I have to write these lyrics out right now. And then I'll, when I finally get a few minutes at a piano, I'll try to write music that goes with those lyrics. Um, so that's been an adjustment for me is just becoming okay with the new process to write a song. And now I'm okay with it. <laughs> and so do you come up with the lyrics and the melody at the same time? Or does one happen and then sometimes. you try to? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would say most of the time, even when I'm writing the lyrics, I've got, I've got the the melody kind of in my head and the cadence um, of how those how those lyrics are going to come out. If that makes any sense. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, I like I like to do it at the same time if I can. Yeah. So we yeah. talked before, uh, Abby Thomas. You're going to be playing at the Acorn, uh, doing the open mic on December fifteenth. Um, how do you know? Talk a little bit about, you know, what to expect at that show and, and how you go about, um, uh, you know, what, what does it mean you're hosting the open mic? Yeah, so the Acorn open mics are really neat because when they say that they're bringing in a host, basically it's like a featured artist. Um, so I'm coming to play, um, and I'm actually bringing some of my band members with me. So it'll be myself, uh, Caitlin Faust on violin and background vocals, Um I have a member of my band who plays multiple instruments like I do. So his name is uh, Simon Hurst, and he plays piano and guitar. So basically, when I play one instrument, he plays the other, and then we flip-flop, which is great. Uh Um, And then I'm bringing uh, an original crew member, the guy at the first open mic that became one of my best friends, uh, John Smith, is going to come. We don't get to play together very often, but that first year when I started playing a lot, he was helping me out a lot. Um, he's going to play the djembe. He is a percussionist. Oh, nice. Um, so there's, it's going to be the four of us. And um, so we're going to open the, the open mic with four songs. And then um, the people that have signed up t- to play at the open mic, they'll each play two songs. And then we're going to close the show with two more. Uh, and then I think we're going to do a, a big jam song. We're going to play Jingle Bells as a big group. Yeah. Everybody that, that wants to. Yeah. Right, right. They usually have all the participants in the open mic come up and all do something together like that. That's, uh, that's a nice yeah. touch for sure. Yeah. Do you have any other other uh, things coming up before the end of the year? Oh, um, I'm trying to think. I've got a couple shows. Um, I think I've got 10 shows maybe in December. But I'm one of them... Um, as I'm playing at the Lobber in South Bend, Indiana, on my birthday for an ugly Christmas sweater party, oh, December boy. 17th, which <laughs> will be fun. Um, the big last hurrah of the year, I'm playing at Hotel Elkhart um, for New Year's. Uh, I played it last year, too, and I ended up getting to play on the rooftop, and the weather was great. So, oh, like, wow. all the doors were open, and you could see the fireworks out on the balcony, and that was really fun. Um, but then I'm going to slow down a little bit the first um, quarter of the year for 2023 because I am uh, going to be arranging some of my music for the Elkhart Symphony. Yeah, you so. were telling me about this last time. So it's also crazy. That is that. What an opportunity that is going to be. So yeah. you're going to be um, 
you know, sort of expanding your songs to be able to be played by the symphony, uh, by yeah. the Elkhart Symphony. And then it's going to be led by, um, is it a guest conductor or is he the conductor of the Elkhart Symphony? Um, he's the conductor of the Elkhart Symphony. His name is Sue Han and he's from Washington, D.C. So he flies in for rehearsals and shows. Um, and he's actually going to take one of my songs and arrange it for the symphony, which is going to be awesome to hear someone else's perspective. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I'm, I'm doing the other three, um, in partnership with some of the members of the symphony. Um, I'm going to be utilizing software and their expertise because I can't actually read music. I can play <laughs> a keyboard. So thank goodness for software. Um, and then I'm actually, one of the pieces is going to be brand new. So I think, I'm leaning towards having that show. It's May 14 at the Lerner Theater in Elkhart, Indiana, and I'm leaning towards having it recorded for vinyl as a as an EP. Oh, that'll be unbelievable! Yeah, it sounds yeah. great. Well, Abby, um, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash. Um, and I'm John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks. That's WRHC and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And uh, I've had Abby Thomas on the show, keyboard player, uh, guitar player, singer extraordinaire, and uh, she is going to be uh, start doing the open mic at the Acorn on December 15th. And uh, let's listen to a um, new song that uh, she released uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah, about 10 days ago. 10 days yeah. ago. And you're... On all streaming platforms, and there's a music video. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. There's a music video on YouTube about this uh, or yeah. of this song. So definitely yeah. check that out. And here we go with uh, White Christmas, uh, Abby Thomas. Tree. 